Welcome to the Move Well Radio Podcast, where we discuss all things related to health and wellness. We dispel common myths and misconceptions regarding healthcare, and we do it in a way that you can actually understand. And it's hosted by yours truly, Dr. Roger St. Ange, doctor of physical therapy, founder of Move Athletics Physical Therapy and Performance. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the Move Well Radio podcast. Uh, this week we got a really special guest, Jamie Minas of Holy Cross. She's a strength and conditioning coach there. How are you doing today, Jamie? Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. Doing great. Awesome. So, walk me through a little bit of your story here. Uh, I know you a little bit personally prior to all of this coming together for us today, but you had a little bit of change in career choice throughout your college career and you were a collegiate athlete. Walk me kind of through that process for you. Yeah. So I'm from Southern California, so I'm not a uh, native uh, New Englander, I guess you could say. So um, I always get the question all the time, like, why are you still out here? And I think the people I've kind of met along the way of getting, I got recruited to play softball out here, uh, met some really great people in college. Um, originally was going into physical therapy. That's kind of what brought me out here going into physical therapy with that program at AIC. That was one of the big, um, big sells for me during the recruiting process. Um, always had a really big passion of just like working with people in general. So I was always involved with coaching, um, always involved with some sort of training as a kid. Um, and so I was familiar with the weight room, familiar with coaching, um, and then just really enjoyed like the, like how the body works and how the body moves and, um, almost that mind, mind muscle connection of, of, of how cool sport and exercise are for the mind. And that's something that I've always really loved from a very young age. Um, and so I was like, all right, let's try out physical therapy. Let's see how that works. So go through physical therapy. I, I think I got one, one year of DPT school in at AIC. And then I was like, okay, maybe let's try something else here. Um, luckily, um, uh, Dr. Lachowski was just starting up an exercise uh, science master's program um, at AIC that really small cohort, but I wouldn't have done it any other way. I think it allowed um, me to kind of figure out how what I wanted to bring to the table um, and, and contribute um, in my job and how I how I was a strength coach. And uh, I had some really awesome strength coaches, too, um, growing up. So Maura Bergen from Springfield College and then um, uh, Coach Rob Raboucher from Springfield College as well. Um, he was our strength coach at AIC. Uh, he's now, I believe, at LIU, but um, definitely a really awesome resource for me um, and, and always loved being in the weight room with him. And he was really great uh, during, I think I had him for two years and then I think I had Mora for, for two years. So um, definitely connected with Mora recently. She's working for play now and stopped by. So that was kind of a blast from the past, being able to connect with her again. Um, and then uh, got into grad school, um, did that. I, it was a one year worth of classes. Um, and then the second year was comprehensive exams and um, an internship. So going through that internship um, process of figuring out where I wanted to go, um, uh, Dr. Pfefferly, who's uh, one of the um, uh, internship coordinator for the grad students there at AIC, um, he told me about Holy Cross. He had done an internship here. Um, I ended up going to a conference with him and, um, and the strength coach, Rob, um, and every single person that got up and spoke, talked about Holy Cross, um, being part of their, um, their journey. And then I was able to talk to, I think she was a part-time, um, uh, coach down here at Holy Cross at the time. And she was like, it's awesome. Very hands-on. 
you get a lot of responsibility and you kind of get that practical coaching experience, which I thought was really important for me being a little, little more green than others, um, having like figured out what I was going to do, like not six months prior. So, um, so it was good for me to be able to come here. Um, Jeff Oliver is a, a saint among humans. He's a phenomenal person. Um, he's now my office mate. Um, we share an office together. Um, and so the, the culture and the environment and the incredible weight room that he's created here in the past 26 years is, um, it's, I'm very honored to be a part of it. And then also like, he trusts me a lot to help it grow. Um, I think that's really, really cool thing and a really cool dynamic within our staff. Um, and so right now, um, I work with five different teams. So I have baseball, softball, men's lacrosse, volleyball, and field hockey, uh, where I do their strength conditioning. We do a lot of um, sports science data. We have some great technology here, GPS monitoring. We have some indoor systems um, that we can we can help out the athletes. So um, I think to kind of further answer the question of why I've stayed out here is just the people we have. I, I've been really, really, really blessed to be around such just great people that um, have made me better um, and are just are those people that are honest with me that I know that we have a great relationship and um, whatever it is, it's decided it's going to be in my best interest. And so it's, it's really fortunate to be here at Holy Cross. That's awesome. And sounds like you've inherited a lot of responsibility as things have grown and kind of assume the role of something you may not have initially been prepared for mentioning you were like a little green and then taking all this responsibility and now being in charge of like five major teams within the world of collegiate athletics. So like walk me through that, like a day-to-day basis, how does the demands change per team? Like, obviously like the demands of baseball versus softball versus all these other teams, like how do you handle programming for them? How do you handle the day-to-day demands? What does that look like on your end? Yeah. I think kind of what it starts with is that first step is you go through the needs analysis. Like you go through and look at, um, well, what the body, what the body needs to do in order to meet the demands of the sport. Um, and then a big part of that actually is talking to the coaching staff. Um, I think building a really solid relationship with the coaching staff, it, it goes a long way. Um, because each style, just because, okay, I know the sport of baseball. I know the sport of softball. I have never played lacrosse in my life. I saw field hockey for the first time when I came out here in 2014. Um, I was kind of familiar with volleyball, you know, so being able to connect with those coaches more saying, Hey, I want to learn your sport. Help me from the people who coach it best here. That's their entire job and their life is to coach this sport. Um, so being able to, and they love it. You know, I think it's very, it's a very, um, open and honest and authentic conversation of saying, Hey, this is something I don't know. I want to know this so I can help you. Um, and they're like, Hey, yeah, they, they eat it up. They love it. And, um, they, they love doing it. And so, um, just sitting down, even if it's just sitting down and talking through like drills, like, um, I think that coaching relationship between the coaching staff and the strength and conditioning staff um, is huge. Um, I, I don't like working in silos. I think that that's a, a huge mistake. You got it. Like those, those people need to be your best friends. You know, you gotta, gotta be able to anticipate what they want and their needs and, um, and their approach to how, where they want to take their program ultimately. Um, so being able to connect with them first, um, seeing, okay, is there a conditioning test you want to do? Do you want to test them on strength, stuff like that? What is it that they prioritize um, and that they care about? That way I can um, make sure I'm getting them the right programs and I'm scheduling the right way um, and, and that stuff. And also giving kind of some advice on, all right, coach wants to do a conditioning test. What works for that sport? 
Let's look at the energy demands. Let's look at energy systems. Let's look at our GPS data that we can go through and actually see, okay, this is how many miles we actually run in a game. Okay. It doesn't really make sense to do a two mile test when we're, we're logging in high speed distance um, of maybe, maybe like a half a mile or a mile. Um, So let's watch how we kind of are able to handle those demands over the course of a game and try to mimic that in our conditioning. Um, And then as far as kind of handling teams that are, very different in that, in that sense of each of them have five, have five different coaching staffs of five different coaching styles. Um, I think throughout the day, dedicating time, uh, I always say like 60% of my job is kind of the programming and the organizational part of it. And then the, the 20 or 40% that I'm coaching, that's the fun part. Like that's the stuff you enjoy. So, um, I try to schedule at least an hour where I'm just sitting there and I'm all across, like I am all across for that hour. I'm going through, I'm reading articles, I'm texting the coaching staff, I'm talking to ET. Um, and then that way I'm like, okay, I've contributed to lacrosse here. Now let's work on baseball. I'm I'm on YouTube. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm texting people that I know within the strength, baseball strength conditioning world um, and, and getting their ideas. And um, so I think the connecting with the coaches and then being able to dedicate that time um, and also not, it helps you not feel so overwhelmed when you're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I have to work on five different programs. Like, okay, let's work on lacrosse for an hour. Let's work at baseball for an hour. Let's work on softball. Let's text the field hockey staff. Um, let's see how they're doing. Um, so just making sure that whenever I am giving that team their hour, it's giving my full attention. I'm not worrying about another team at that point. Um, so trying to be able to kind of spread myself out a little bit in a healthy way. You have something to say, Miguel? I saw you thinking there. I, I think it's pretty cool. Doc Miguel here. So thank Jamie for coming on. I appreciate that. Um, I, I think it's it's funny. You touched on a couple of things there that I, I want to expand on a little bit more. Um, just for our listeners, like, first of all, what are your um, credentials right now? Like, what did you get in order to get to where you are right now? Yeah, so currently I have my bachelor's in health sciences from AIC. Um, and then I have my master's um, and exercise science from AIC as well. And then I also have my, um, my CSCS through the NSCA. Um, so I am a collegiate strength coach, all my certs. So we're all good. (laughs) So I I know we talked a little bit about this before. Like I have a a strength and conditioning background. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was more in the private sector. I have a little bit of experience with the, the sports teams, but there's something, I was an athlete in college. I played basketball and there's something about, you mentioned, Hey, I was a little greener into getting into this. Uh, there's something about weight room culture that just teaches you something like you don't necessarily need to know everything. And for those in the strength and conditioning world, that test that you take to get credentialed right now, as is, is pretty outdated. Um, so talk to us a little bit about that kind of weight room culture and how that taught you kind of like brought you up to speed. Really, I would assume because it did with me um, about how to like cue things about how to like talk to people, interact uh, and really like I feel like in the strength and conditioning world, that hands on that you got probably taught you the most of anything. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the part that's really set me apart. Um, and how actually I've seen the more, most growth. Um, and so I, I say all the time when I'm talking to interns, like, I want you to get as much practical experience as possible. You can crack open a book when you go home, like go, go read when you go home, go read those articles and then come in and practically apply it. So um, I think coming here, uh, I was, was able to do some um, private sector stuff and then we're helped out in the weight room at AIC for a little bit. 
during my time, I think I worked with a football team there. So that really kind of like threw me in the fire with some of the, even if it's a small weight room, um, you had to make sure you're able to have a bit of a presence there. So I think that then coming here to where our weight room is huge. Um, I think that really further showed me how to have that presence. Um, and I was able to apply a lot of the stuff that I learned in softball growing up of how to, how to command a room, how to talk to people, how to coach and really say, okay, is it effective for me to yell across the room as someone to fix their squat or to squat deeper or, Hey, that's not what we're doing. Or do I go up to the kid and have a conversation? Um, and so that's one thing that I've really, really honed in on, um, early in my career was, okay, if the kid's not doing it right, is it their fault? I really, it, it, no, probably not. I probably didn't explain it well enough. Um, so making sure that within the kind of the high energy, loud, throwing weights around kind of that, like kind of culture that happens in the weight room, um, making sure that we're also able to focus and listen and pay attention to detail, um, within those things. And those were some of the things that I saw just observing as an intern, um, saying, okay, like, Hmm, they didn't really like listen to that cue. What else can we try? Um, and then also spending a little more time with the kid, if they're struggling, uh, one-on-one, I, I get athletes from all different backgrounds, from all different um, levels of comfort in the weight room. Um, I have kids that who are like, yeah, I maybe worked out of Planet Fitness the summer before they came in their freshman year for a few weeks. Um, so this is all very, very uh, new to them. And so being able to, if I can work with the people who come in who may not be as experienced, it's going to make um, the people at the top that much more, that much better because we're able to really get everyone in on board. Um, and I think that's one of the main things that I learned is no one gets left behind. Um, even with all the chaos and the clutter and the, um, and kind of the hustle and bustle that goes on in our weight room. Um, don't, don't let anyone fall behind. Um, and then I think also just with the communication piece, um, being able to shift that from team to team, my lacrosse team is not going to respond to the same kind of, um, energy as maybe a volleyball team would or a baseball team would. So being able to communicate to each of those teams that how they listen, um, I, I think is huge. Um, and then also the practical application of a lot of this stuff. And I, I just talked to my boss about this is the fun part. Like that, that's so cool. You read this stuff on your own. You uh, watch the seminars, you listen to the podcast. You're like, Oh, like you read the books. Like I really want to try that. Um, and so a lot of the stuff that I've been doing, um, is taking that and making it make sense for my teams, um, rather than taking a blueprint copy of exactly what maybe, um, of, of what Prajesh Patel does at Quinnipiac, um, and making it, trying to make it work with maybe like my volleyball team. Um, so making it work for each team individually, meeting their culture, understanding their culture and bringing that into the weight room. Um, I think that's the big thing. Um, I'm have, I'm always in meetings with teams, with coaches saying, Hey, what are your, what is your kind of foundation? What is your, um, your culture? What is your mantra? Like, how can I still make our weight room, even though it's a separate thing from the playing field or court, how can I make this a part of your team? Um, and it gets the kids to buy in so much more when I'm using the same lingo and I'm, I'm uh, prioritizing the same things as the coaching staff, uh, rather than, oh, we're going to go to Jamie. Like we get to check out from our team for a little bit. It's like, no, like this is where we build that consistency and attention to detail and all of those like 
the grit, all of those resilience, all that stuff that coaches preach and like that we really value within athletes and within just human beings um, into our weight room. Um, and then also just using that evidence-based practice stuff um, that I think the CSCS does a good job of kind of like getting your foot in the door and getting you to be able to deliver things safely. I think that that's, that's a priority. And I think that's something that um, people need to remember is we, we can't do any, do no harm to these athletes. Um, and I, I think one thing that's cool with the CSCCA certification is you get a little more practical application with the coaching and instruction piece of it. Um, but nothing beats just getting yourself out on the floor and, and coaching and it's trial and error. No one's expecting you to be perfect, you know? Um, there's some things that you're going to see kids eyes gloss over and I'm like, okay, I've been talking too much, (laughs) you know, okay. I did not explain that well enough. Um, or I I've said way too many cues. Um, and so you can just, just being able to read a room is what I could recommend to people is, um, be aware of your surroundings and just know it's not all about you. It's about serving the athletes that walk through that door that day. Um, and whoever it is that walks in, um, and being able to put, okay, this is my plan aside and adjust and, and be a little more willing and working and, and have a little empathy for them um, with how they're coming through the door. I think that's that's been very helpful for me and, and helped me be successful with my teams. That's great. That, that sounds kind of sounds like our job. <laughs> uh, that's, that's the cool thing. I think that like having that background and I think that was the thing that I was like, all right, this is my bread and butter. Like I can build relationships. I'm good. Now let's crack open the books within the strength conditioning field and we'll be all right here. You know, I think that I, I tell interns this all the time, like they, you just need to be able to have the athletes trust you once, once they can trust you like that, that's it. You're good. Continue to build the trust. But if, especially with the nature of, of the strength conditioning field, where there's a lot of turnover jobs pop up every single day. Um, and so these, some of these kids have had strength coaches, new strength coach every year. And so it's, yeah, I, I can understand why, why they may be a little hesitant to try something new. They, they don't know you, you know, <laughs> they don't know you. And so they're, they're going to look at you like, all right, man, like, how do I know I can trust you? Also coming out of a year where they didn't know what was going to happen next. Um, they're not sure how long you're going to stick around. So give them every single reason in the world to trust you and, and ensure them that you have your, their best interest in mind. Um, yeah. Every, every chance you get. That, that's great. I, th- I think that's an important. I think you mentioned two points that I actually wanted to bring up, but uh, one was you mentioned how a lot of these kids are new to this. Uh, and especially at your level, you're division one college, right? Uh, Holy Cross yeah. is college or university? Uh, uh, college. 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 Either way. Your division one, like you would expect, most people expect those kids coming in are like these elite athletes, which they are, uh, but they don't know that half these kids probably never even got any type of strength conditioning up to this point. They rely on talent or their just natural abilities. Uh, so to a lot of these kids, it's learning. So I'd love to you, for you to talk about that a little bit more because it's a learning curve for everybody coming in, especially at that level. Uh, and the other piece that you mentioned too was like, hey, you're controlling five sports, right? You said baseball, softball, volleyball. Uh, There's something to say about, and I was just having this conversation this morning with somebody. It's unfortunate that we're still talking about this, but it's still a reality. You as a female going into maybe a male sport, like how do you get that weight room respect? How do you get that uh, respect that like, hey, I'm, I'm here to help you. It doesn't matter if I'm female, male, orange, white, black. It doesn't matter. Like how... Have you gotten that respect and, and what maybe could you just touch upon that a little bit? Absolutely. 
I'll touch on that first. I, I think that that's, um, I, I think that's something that while maybe it's still unfortunate that we're talking about it, but I think it's so at that representation is awesome. You know, when I I've had, I've had athletes that have come in and said, Hey, you know how awesome it is just seeing you here. Like, like that are very aware of it. And so that's one thing that I'd like to first say on is they, they see it and they, they can see when we're um, reaching out and actually valuing that diversity um, within between genders, race, all of that, you know? Um, And I think at least from being able to build that relationship and kind of culture um, as a female within the weight room, I think, especially with male teams, um, that's not really something I've had an issue with. I think that that stemmed from um, me understanding, okay, just how humans work, like, like hierarchy of needs there. What, what are the, what are the ways that have just every single human can build a relationship with someone else, um, through trust, uh, through authenticity. Um, and also just, just being able to tell like, okay, this person's like, like, they're not fake. They're like, they can, they can, they can smell fake. Like they smell fake when it walks through the door. So is this person just kind of putting on a show for us because, um, we're all, they, they think we're all rah, rah, or is this person actually understanding who we are as people, um, and understanding like the story of each person here. Um, and does this person know every one of our names, you know, um, especially with the big team, like lacrosse, we came with 50 guys and I'm like, okay, I got to learn these names. <laughs> I'm like, if these guys are gonna, gonna trust me and listen, I got to at least learn their name. Um, and so with teams like that, I think just getting to know them and, um, being able to talk to them a little more on a one-on-one, one-on-one basis or smaller groups, um, I think was, was helpful. So we have in the spring, we had a majority team lifts to start the semester. Um, and so that was building a lot of the little things with the attention detail and just how we're going to work in the weight room. Um, so that required me to figure out how, like, what, what is it that I do value? Um, and so picking those three core values, um, for myself and how I'm going to function and how I'm going to spread that with other people. Um, and then also figure out my non-negotiables about cleaning up, about, um, about how we're going to function, about policy, late policies, stuff like that, being very straightforward with them, um, from day one and saying, Hey, look, these are the things that I, I don't want to have to be an issue, but cause that's going to prevent us from doing the, the fun stuff and the cool stuff in the, here in the weight room. Um, so let's get this out of the way. Here are the very clear expectations that I'm going to lay out for you. Here's how we're going to execute it. And then here's going to be the benefit of them. Um, and I think from that moment on, we were able to kind of build that trust. Um, and, and then I, I think that, like I said, the authenticity piece is huge. Like I, I know what coach I am and I know what coach I'm not. Um, uh, I am, uh, I, I see coaches that are like, um, so I think the, that works for a lot of people. Um, I know who, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Um, but I know that for me, it might be like, all right, what are you, what are you doing here? You know? Um, so I just make sure I support in the way that like, I know is effective for me. Um, and, um, and for my athletes, if I have a team that really like that likes to be yelled at, that likes to get a, a lot more rah, rah, we'll crank up the rock music. We'll, we'll put on system of a down and, and we'll get after it other teams enjoy there's times with baseball lifts where I'll throw on some like 2010 indie rock and we'll, <laughs> we'll just kind of vibe out for an hour. Um, so it, it kind of, I think building that relationship and trust has come with getting to know them um, and me, being able to meet them where they're at and still get them to do hard things um, and, and uh, be very open and honest with them um, in that manner. That's awesome. 
sounds like it comes down to the common denominator of like communication is the most important thing for getting the best results out of your athletes. And like, that's something we have to have here. Like oftentimes what we deal with, like if someone has an injury that does not make any sense to them, that communication is important, building that rapport, that trust. So like common idea here between like, Hey, if they don't trust you, you're never going to get the outcome that you want. But what you had said there, like in order to build that trust, like just knowing someone's name, just understanding their demands, being able to communicate with their coaches, having that like ever presence while also not being like too much and like being able to meet someone where you're at, like you said, um, like, how does that translate to someone who is like, you have a group of 50 people with lacrosse, right? A bunch of individuals in a group of, I'm assuming a ton of personality and ego and all these different things because they're college students, they're college athletes and stuff like that. When someone comes in and it's like, you can see like 10 people struggling with one thing and then other people are doing good and everyone's all over the place. Give me an example of like, you meet someone where they're at, like, do you modify, do you reduce, do you do progress? How does that work for you? Yeah. So I think I'm very fortunate to have the help of some phenomenal interns. Um, in the past, I've had Timory Malley. She's phenomenal. She's now at Merrimack. Um, right now I have, um, Torn Shanahan and Chris Soda who are also Merrimack fellows that are, I, I would not be able to do what I do day to day without them. They, they are huge help. And it's also helpful to have a set an extra set of eyes for me. Um, that being said yesterday, they had classes, they started classes. And so I was by myself with the full team lift. And so I was like, all right, like, here we go. Let's see how it goes. And it went well, we did all right. We got through it. And, um, I think a big part of that, um, is being able to make sure the guys know what we're, tr we're trying to accomplish. And, um, that way, like they become coaches. I want them to like, I, I want them to not need me after they graduate when they go and work out on their own, you know? Um, so being able to promote that. Okay. When I'm on the other side of the room, like there's three or four people at this rack. If you're all watching a guy do it wrong, you're also at fault too. Um, so making sure that they hold each other accountable with that stuff too. And they understand that I'm just one person. Um, so they know that like, they do a great job of saying, Hey, get lower or Hey, keep your elbows up on your front squat. Hey, you're shifting to your left on your butt shifting to your left, uh, push through both heels. Like it's really awesome hearing the cues that they give each other, um, that, that I've been, they kind of parrot me a little bit. Um, when, when I start to give cues, which is really, this is perfect. That's perfect. Um, and then. The other part of your question, I think with um, kind of meeting the kids where they're at um, is just watching them move um, and see, okay, do I need, are they not ready for front squats yet? Are we not ready for back squats yet? Do we need to go down to a goblet squat? Do we need to regress? Um, do we need to take some weight off? You know, so I'll typically put pro put numbers uh, pre-programmed into their sheets. Um, and then I, I say all the time, like, Hey, let's, let's feel this out. It's, it's all based on feel. Um, so one thing that I really like about um, our weight room here is that we have um, gym aware, which is the velocity based training. Um, so we have another metric to, to meet them where they're at. So um, instead of saying, Hey, you're going to lift 80% today. Um, last night, they maybe had, were up all night writing a paper. Um, their girlfriend, boyfriend broke up with them. That 80% is going to be more like, is going to feel like a hundred to 150% when they try to lift it that next day. Um, so what, one thing that's really cool is that we have, um, uh, the, that velocity based training stuff tool that we can use, um, to say, okay, we're lifting at 0.8 meters per second, whatever, find, find whatever that weight is for you. And in, in a few sets and then do your working sets there. Um, and that way they're getting the stimulus that we want from a, um, uh, from a force velocity standpoint, 
Um, and then it's, it's not too much for them. They're getting exactly what their body needs. Um, so it's, it's really cool to be able to use that. And I, that's a big tool that I use in season. Um, I start to maybe give like a target weight, um, but I prioritize that speed to make sure, especially during midterms, once classes start, like right now it's nice because classes haven't started yet. Um, but being able to manage the stress, stress is stress on the body. So if we're able to manage that while they're in here, um, uh, at least from a performance standpoint, I think that's huge. And then from a movement standpoint, I think like just regressing a little bit, if they're not, like I said, if they're not ready for, um, uh, back squat, let's move into front squat. If they're not ready for a front squat, let's move into a goblet squat. If we need to do a freehand squat, if we need to just see what sticks and see what works for them, if we need to elevate their heels, if we need to um, work on the width of their stance, um, stuff like that. So just being able to work with them a little more one-on-one to see what helps. Um, and then I always tell them like, be open and honest with me on what you're feeling. Tell, be very aware of what your body's feeling. Um, that way I can help you more um, and be able to make sure you're getting the right thing you need right now. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I do that. That's awesome. And it sounds like the verbal is not always the best way to get that out of someone. You have to really pay attention to the nonverbal and the body, the body language and how they present, like what's their mood when they walk in, right? Yeah. Someone has a bad mood walking in, you're probably not going to get hundred percent out of them. It happens to me all the time. Someone I'll say, how are you doing today? It's just like, Oh, I'm okay. Yeah. What, what does that mean though? Like what does okay mean for you? And if you don't know what that means, you're probably not going to get anything, what you want out of them. They're not going to get what they want out of you. And you're probably just going to have a bad day, but digging, digging a little bit more into that and like really paying attention to what those cues are. That's like a huge part of it. And whether it's from our side of things, trying to get someone out of pain and they're in more pain as a result, or (laughs) if they're like you said, tests, relationships, all these different things, like it's a different set of kind of hazards and objections and what might it be, but they all add up to one common denominator of, are we doing what we need to do today? That That's awesome. That's awesome that it can transcend both genre of healthcare and the weight room and all that too. So it's nice that there is someone that understands that communication is so important. And like you mentioned before, the expectations, if you do not set an expectation that is realistic and essentially like the goal, you're not going to get anything. And if like the expectation today, Hey, we're going to do, back squat 150, uh, 0.8 meters a second. Like you were saying, like, uh, if you don't pay attention to those verbal cues or that body language or something like that, no one's going to get the outcome. Yeah. And I think one of the cool parts is about, um, about being able to do that is, uh, getting kids to understand like, okay, like it's the best, best conversation having is like, Oh, why am I not hitting this number? Oh my gosh. I feel terrible. Like how much did you sleep last night? When'd you go to bed? How much water have you been drinking? Like, how was your day yesterday? You know? And they're like, oh yeah, well I did get in, with an argument with my roommate or me and my roommate are having problems or me and my girlfriend are having problems. I'm like, there it is. Like, mm-hmm. and getting them to understand that and say everything, your body doesn't, can't differentiate relationship stress from school stress, from financial stress, from weight room stress, like stress is stress, you know? So just being able to say, look, that all stuff's going to accumulate and it's okay. But you, what we can still do is rather than use that as an excuse and not do anything, let's still do something and give your body what it needs. And I think that's a really cool lesson for them to learn, not just within the weight room, but in life. It's look, when you, when you may not feel like you're at your best, meet your body where it's at, but you can still feel accomplished. 
Um, and, and they like feeling that those give me those good, happy hormones of, of accomplishment. So, um, I think that that's huge for them, um, to be able to learn that or pretty early on in life. Yeah. One thing you just touched on there that I have to have a conversation a lot with is like sleep, nutrition, hydration. That's something I come into every now and then. Like I was working with this lady, maybe a month or two ago, she comes in, she's like, oh, my legs, they just don't feel right. Like my hamstrings cramp, my quads cramp. And I was like, okay, like, let's break that down. How much water are you drinking a day? Oh, I drink eight cups. I was like, okay, great. And then just like some skilled questioning later, like, what do you define as water? This lady's drinking eight cups of coffee a day with no water intake. And you're like, well, that's why probably more likely than anything. It's not that your body isn't like feeling normal. It's because you don't provide it any of what it needs. And then she's older woman. So like her nutrition ain't great. And she probably sleeps four hours a night, but at the end of the day, like those are such huge, important pieces of the puzzle. And I can assume like collegiate athletes eating college food and all this different stuff. Like how does that work with you and like understanding like, all right, let's back it up from moving weight. Let's take it to how much, what is your calorie intake? What does your sleep schedule look like? What does your hydration look like? Do you have support on that? Is that all on you? Like, where does that fall? Yeah, at least for me. So I try to be, be as proactive about it as possible. So typically at the uh, beginning of the year meetings in the fall, um, I'll try to make an appearance. Um, and I, I have like a short presentation that I give, um, just on very, very basic recommendations, um, reasons why I talk about, um, recommended sleep. I say why we need that kind of sleep, um, which is pretty cool, um, for some of them. And I, I kind of throw in some like facts that they wouldn't, they haven't really heard, you know, they probably heard this speech, got to get eight hours. And they're like, yeah, but why, like, why should I care? You know, um, it's like, this is why. Um, and so I talk about that. I talk about alcohol, short-term effects of alcohol consumption, um, that lasts up to 72 hours. That one, you kind of see some eyeballs. I see the whites of some eyeballs on that one. They're like up to three days. I'm like, yeah, well, yep. That's what research shown. Um, and so that, that kind of puts in perspective for a lot of them. And then I just go through some really, really basic nutrition recommendations. And then I always talk about timing. Um, so at least I, I, I always tell them I only have a certain amount of, uh, I can make recommendations and suggestions. I want to respect my scope. Um, if there's, if there is something that you want to be able to take this a step further that you think would benefit you, um, talk to myself, talk to the AT, we can guide you down the path to maybe talking to a dietitian or nutritionist, um, and getting you on a plan. And it, I, and I think the, um, destigmatizing some of that stuff for, um, people only with disordered eating habits. Um, I think, I think people who just need some guidance and in general can and benefit from it too. Um, so I think the, I, I talk about that with them early on. I think the nutrition timing, uh, one is really cool. So I make a timeline of, okay, when you wake up, this is the time you're waking up. I know, I know all their schedules. I know when they practice, I know when they lift. Um, so I'll make like a cute little graphic of wake up. Okay. Here's when you should be eating, um, before lift 30 minutes before grab a granola bar, pretzels, Gatorade, apple juice pouches, kids go crazy for those. Um, and then I kind of give them a, a grocery list of some stuff that some common stuff in each uh, macro group, um, that they can, they can, that are pretty cheap. Um, you can go to Walmart and get them. Um, and I actually had a, um, uh, baseball player last night. So last semester we, we had talked about kind of that timing for him. He was like, I am feeling we have some, they have some long practices, long games, um, playing two games a day sometimes. And he was like, I feel like halfway through, I'm just like trying to like get a pick me up. 
Um, and so, or right before I don't really eat much and then I go right to practice and I'm exhausted. Um, and so he, I saw him before practice and he was, he was like, Jamie, look, I got fruit snacks. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I went and got fruit snacks. He's like, I got my pre-practice carbs. He's like, I'm feeling up my carb tank for practice. And I'm like, that's perfect. So it's, it's, it's really cool to see stuff like that. Um, and it's like, okay, you guys actually do listen. Um, but I at least have, um, maybe at least one or two, like, kind of nutrition check-ins per week with athletes just on their own merit. Um, I think I I let them kind of come to me with that stuff. We're also really fortunate to have an in-body machine here that I can get body composition data on. Um, So at least for my female athletes, I educate them um, on body fat percentage and what it actually means and why our bodies need fat for females um, and what they how they function hormonally for our bodies. Um, That way, once they step on there and they're like, oh my gosh, I have body fat in the double digits. They're not freaking out. And it's not like a big deal. You know, I'm like, Hey, like, do you feel good? Do you feel healthy? Good. That's all that matters. That's, that's what matters to you right now. Um, and then we talk about like some stuff with muscle mass and, um, I, I discuss female athlete triad with them. I give them the facts on that. Um, and and I I do that in a one-on-one setting, um, with my, with my female teams. And, um, I think it's really, beneficial for them to have all the facts. And I say, Hey, this is not to scare you. This is to show you like this, this is very common that this stuff happens. Um, and just being able to give them, um, the tools to be able to recognize some of these things and be able to come to me, the coaching staff, the athletic trainer for help. That way we can make sure that they're all set and it doesn't get any worse. Um, and so I think that's been really important for us, um, especially with my female teams. And then with my guys, we just make sure we, um, Um, I'm educating them on like healthy weight gain and what's manageable, um, and what's realistic. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to gain 10 pounds in a week. I'm like, no, you're not. (laughs) I'm like, let's, let's not do that, please. You're just going to lose it right again, Uh, again. And we want to work on having lasting effect and, and lasting, um, uh, muscle mass gain over the course of time. And one thing I really drive home with them, um, nutritionally is the, um, is how all of those choices that we're making throughout the day with sleep, drinking, nutrition, that's going to affect our body composition. Um, and so you can tell, um, it, it tracks a little timeline on muscle mass with some of my guys. I can tell when they were sick and like, we go through and look, we're like, oh yeah, this is when I got COVID. Um, I came back from COVID and then I started to gain a little bit. Oh, yep. And this is when I got mono, you know? So it's, it's being able to say, okay, like, oh, okay, I can see how this affects my body. Um, and being able to adjust from there. So um, I try to make them as independent with some of these choices as possible and then give them the re- recommendations and guidance. I can't be with them down in Kimball. That's our um, our um, our dining commons down uh, bottom of campus um, every single day. But um, if I, they have their little PDF on their phone, they can scroll, scroll through. I think that's, that's huge um, to be able to kind of have me on their shoulder a little bit saying, okay, make sure I get my cars, make sure I get my lean proteins, my grains, my fruits and veggies, and like how to build my plate, um, when they're making those choices. So, um, yeah, but I, I would love, I think that's one thing that we would love to get a nutritionist in here. Um, at least for athletics, I think that would be really valuable. Um, I know we have some through school that are really great. Um, but I think just being, have, being able to have some more, uh, resources for the kids would be awesome. Um, from, from our end. I think that's, that's pretty interesting. You mentioned all this and this is kind of how the conversation is going. Cause I think the way our conversation just went is kind of how the profession has changed as well. Right. Like before it was just like, Hey, get in here and lift as much as you can. Now these, you mentioned it, you have the technology to look at different things. You have, 
nutrition, you have sleep. Uh, and again, it's just like we talked about before, like kids are coming in and this might be their first experience with strength and conditioning. Uh, but nobody's ever taught, I mean, think about it as a kid, you're probably eating DiGiorno pizzas, going to sleep at three, waking up at seven and doing all, like things change also as you get older. And when the competition starts to change, you see their mindset change and you start noticing like, Hey, I can't have that DiGiorno pizza anymore. I can't <laughs> sleep only two hours. So it, it's interesting. You mentioned that at such a level because there is an importance. In it. And I think kids need to learn that as well. And you mentioned something too, about uh, we, we have to discuss this with them. Uh, and we have this conversation, me and Alex all the time is uh, it's not even discussing and educating. It's more just reframing what they're telling us, right? Like they, they come in and they say, Hey, like, uh, like Alex said, my hamstrings don't feel right. Like, what does that mean? Figuring that out. But then asking it in a way where they tell you exactly, like they give you the answer. Yeah. They know what they have to do. Uh, it's just like, Hey, all right, well, you just told me what you had to do. Now you have to go do it, but now you have a little bit of accountability. Um, so I think it's interesting that you mentioned that because it's huge, both in seems like in your realm, but in our realm, uh, you have the luxury of having all this technology and stuff that you can really look into. And I think I wanted to ask you about that a little bit is when it seems like, especially now in college athletics, the technology is becoming more and more important because you're trying to get that little bit of an edge. Uh, everybody can go into a weight room and lift and have the best programs. Uh, but looking at that, all right, well, let's look at the, you said the force velocity, that type of stuff. Like what have you guys taken or found that was the most beneficial in terms of getting the most out of your athletes, like in terms of that technology? Yeah, I think it was the intent piece. Um, I think there's times where, and I, there's, there's periods of time where with one team we'll use it and then we won't use it and we'll use it and then we won't use it. Um, and I think that the intent that the velocity based stuff drives home is awesome. Like, I think that is probably one of the most valuable things that we can use that for. Um, and just saying like, look, you can, you can move faster, you know, Mm -hmm. like you can move faster. You're like for baseball, I need you to be as powerful as possible right, right off the bat. You don't have three or four reps to be able to swing the bat as hard as hard as you can. Like you got to do it after having maybe like a 10 minute break of not swinging as hard as you can. Um, so being able to do that and show them, look, you can move this weight and you can move it fast. Um, and getting their bodies to coordinate that and understand that, um, has to be one of the most valuable things, um, that this thing gives us. Um, and then also with that, and then taking the gym aware away, taking our velocity-based training away, they still train with that same intent um, and saying, okay, like, Hey, remember what we did on the gym aware? I want you to move that fast without having to use the gym aware. Um, and or it's like, tell your body to jump, but don't leave the ground. It's, it's kind of figuring out different cues um, to get these kids to understand, okay, I am powerful. I can move fast. I don't, not every rep has to be like me grinding it out on the way up. Um, but I can, I can move with power and I can stay under control. Um, and I think one thing that, um, I really like that we did in the fall and I did that with, with this with the majority of my, my off season teams, um, was we did a month where we didn't touch gym aware. We just worked on movement patterns. We worked on being able to hold, um, the bottom of our squat, um, understand where our, the bottom of our squat is and feel comfortable there and then be able to do some reps and then hold it some more. Um, so just being able to own movement patterns, not necessarily worrying about weight yet. Um, and then our outcomes for that, to be able to apply it to our velocity based stuff were awesome. Like it was the, the technique and the coordination was there. Now we just got to work on the intent and the power. I'm like, 
this is great. Um, so sometimes when you see people moving like crazy fast, the technique just goes out the window. And so I was sitting down with some, um, with some, some of my interns and we we're talking through it a little bit. And, um, I was like, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Like, let's try it out and see how it works. And, and we loved it. And it was, a they weren't moving crazy weight, but it was a bit of a grind, you know, it makes them, makes them understand, oh, wow, I really have to stay secure in my core. I have to do all of these things. I have to figure out, um, how to stay coordinated through this movement. Um, and then as I add more weight and as I move faster, um, still having those, um, uh, those, that, that technique, um, and to be able to do it safely, um, I think is, is huge for us, but, um, but yeah, with, uh, that intent is, is huge. Yeah. It sounds like, I think it's interesting too, cause you mentioned that, um, like, Hey, when they go fast, they lose their, uh, mechanics, that type of stuff. Like that's something common. I mean, we all know that, but I don't think athletes know that very well because they think I need to lift the heaviest amount of weight possible. That's how I get strong. But as you start going up the levels and up the ladder there, you realize that these guys aren't like, their goal isn't to lift as heavy as they can. They want to be strong as they can in their positions that they're going to be in, in, in their sport. Uh, and as we know, athletes are the best compensators. <laughs> They'll find ways to do it, but it's your job and our job to find those little uh, pieces where we can make those connections for them. So then they can do what they want to do a little bit better and at your level. Uh, that's a, a big difference, like a second difference or, uh, a, a mile per hour faster on a throw. Like that's huge. Yeah. Um, uh, my next thing that you brought up too, is like, Hey, like in the weight room, you started noticing people, uh, like all the kids like cueing each other. That's something that we see all the time. And we try to, uh, we do workshops all the time and we mm-hmm. teach all these athletes in the gyms, like, Hey, like, we're here for an hour, but you guys are around each other for who knows how long, like that connection, like talk to me a little about that, how you kind of foster that where they're, you always say like, there's a little bit of you with them. Like, how does that feel first of all, but how do you also kind of get that to stick with them? So you don't have to be in the gym or in the game or in the practice with them, but they're still using those same cues and helping each other out. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So I think it's really important. So when you're demoing for the first time, I think the first time we, we bring out a lift sheet, um, I'll, I'll go through everything, um, typically before, uh, we start our warm up, And that's something that we, we put into practice, um, at the beginning of last fall, uh, of this past fall, uh, go through it during the warm up. that way you can spend a little more time and don't, don't feel like we have to rush through it. Say, Hey, this, this is what I'm looking for, for each of these on the lift card. I'll kind of write like, maybe write, write a couple notes of the things that I would say, um, or kind of like the tempo stuff like that. Um, I try to put as much detail as possible on there without it, like looking like a thesis. Um, and then being able to cue them and say, when I talk to one person, I want two other people with me and listen to what I'm telling that person. So that way, if they see it in someone else, they can, they can do it. Um, or if they feel it in themselves, they can ask their partner, Hey, like, like, was I coming onto my toes at the toe, at the bottom of that squat or my heels coming up? Um, am I getting all the, am I getting low enough? Stuff like that. Um, and I tell them like, watch out for your partner, make sure your partners, if per- person at your rack, like your buddy's watching you do this, if they're not getting there, let them know. Um, so I give them the permission to do that. I think sometimes they're like, I don't want to like step on her toes. It's like, no, please, please correct them. Help me, you know, <laughs> you know, help me help you. Um, so the, um, that's really cool. And making the cues very simple, you know, and, um, making like, I think less is more sometimes with some of the cueing. Um, I, and I tell this to interns a, a good amount where it's like, 
give them, give them a chance to try it out, feel it out, give them a chance to fix it. And then if that's still not working, let's try something else rather than saying, okay, do this with your feet, do this with your toes, do this with your hips, do this with your knees. Like don't overwhelm them kind of layer it on um, bit by bit. So over the course of three weeks, um, we'll work on um, when I talk about the program at the beginning and break it down before we break it down for warm up. Um, I'll give them a reminder of something of maybe like one or two things um, to work on for that day. Um, Cause they know how to do an RDL. They know how to do squats. And so I'll say, all right, let's really make sure I saw our elbows dropping a lot on our front squats. Let's really make sure our elbows are up. That's the only thing I'll really say for front squats that day. Um, for RDLs, I notice our bars getting away from us a little bit. Let's really make sure we're sweeping that bar across our body, stuff like that. It's very simple. Um, that way they can correct each other on that. And it's really cool. It's really cool, honestly. And I think that's one thing that I prioritize is being able to make, um, really self-sufficient independent athletes. Cause I think that that makes self-sufficient independent thinkers once they leave me after their four years. And so whether they're going and playing, continuing their careers and they can go and, um, I have a lot of kids that are going elsewhere for their fifth year with COVID. Um, that are able to use their eligibility. Um, and so if I can send them as independent and as self-sufficient and they can listen and apply queuing, like that, that reflects on what we did here for four years. Um, and so if I send them and they're just like the biggest pains in the butts you've ever worked with, they're going to be like, what were they doing at Holy Cross? You know, but if I, I get them and they know how to listen, they know how to actively apply something. Um, and they're very body aware. I think that's, they can go do they can go train at a private place um, post-grad. They can uh, become a coach. I have kids who are interested in strength and conditioning. Like it's, it's really cool to be able to um, kind of give them recommendations and see them stick. It's really, it's really nice. Love that. Good. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, like what you're doing is amazing. You got a ton of people seem to be at your uh, disposal to just benefit from what you have to offer them. And, like all these athletes that you're helping benefit, whether it be like right now as an athlete or in the future, like giving them options for their potential career. It's, that's awesome. And it's awesome to see someone actively advocating for their athletes and beyond just athletics, them as a person, them as like a whole human individual, not just one aspect of their life. And that's kind of how we go about treating our people too, because there's more at play than just let's, put the ball on the goal or the puck in the net or whatever it may be, you know? Yeah. I think it's, it's really, um, it's, it's really cool to be able to let them know too. It's like, look, I see you more than just the person that comes in my weight room, maybe two or three times a week. Um, and going, I think it's really, um, cool to be able to go out to games. I'll, I'll go out to games and stay on the sidelines during games and, and be a part of them, be part of their team for that hour, hour and a half that they're there. Um, and then we can talk about it at Lyft or going to like one of their events on campus, um, seeing what they're involved with outside of athletics is, is fantastic. And it's incredible. I had a volleyball player who um, like put together a rally and a march for um, environmental uh, for the environment. Um, I forget the club that she was in, but they did a whole rally outside of the library and then they walked down together um, down to city hall here in Worcester. And so I showed up to that and that was like, wow, like you, you guys are incredible people, you know, um, that, that are smarter than beyond belief. And you the fact that you guys are just these incredible humans and you're trusting me to work for you and to serve you. Like 
that that makes it that much more fulfilling for me is that you guys are I we have some incredible incredible athletes here at Holy Cross and just good people um that you sit down and talk to them about what they want to do or what they're working on there's a kid girl I worked with this summer who did a um research study on pigeons. She was like coming up from her lab this summer. She's like, yeah, the pigeons just came in today. Got our pigeons in the, in the, in the mail. And so we'd ask how the pigeons were doing. And, um, so getting to, and especially working with other teams too, and building those relationships, not necessarily with my five teams, but being able to go to the women's basketball games and, um, see how they're doing, talking to them in here, track and field, seeing how they're doing, you know, um, teams that not necessarily I'm going to work with on a day-to-day basis, but that's the cool thing. We're all in house. So we're all under one roof. Um, so I can see and meet the entire, uh, athletic population here, um, and, and see how like there, there's some really cool kids here that are, are smarter than, than, than I will ever be. And it's, um, it's really cool to be able to learn from them too. Um, and then especially with kids who want to go into strength conditioning, it's actually really awesome. They, we talk shop, uh, talk shop a little bit. And, um, I have some baseball kids that have trained up at Cressy's and, um, have been, are, they're like, Oh yeah, we did this up at Cressy's and Oh, you should call this guy, like talk to this person. Um, this is the person I worked with this summer and being able to, it's, it's, they're helping me network, you know, and being able to reach out to those people and, um, and see, like, I almost call it like joint custody. Like you're with me for the semester. And then I send you, I send you away for the summers and I send you to these people. Um, so let me know them. I, I want to know them. I don't, I'm not mad at them. I don't dislike them. Um, I, I want to have a relationship with them. That way we can both help you. Um, I think that's one thing that the, um, from the college to the private sector, like we can also work together um, throughout the summers. I think that's really important. Phenomenal. I, I think one of the biggest things, unless you're an athlete or in this realm, physical therapy, strength and conditioning, you don't really realize it, but you're teaching these patients, kids, athletes, whatever, so much more than just exercise, so much more than just programming. Like a lot of lessons are learned through sport, but also in the gym. And I think that carries over to, you said, like in life, like a lot of these kids will leave you and uh, say, Hey, remember that time in the, in the, in the squat rack, when you yelled at me to do this. And like, I pushed through that, like that mentality then comes over to like, Hey, I was trying to get a, I don't know, a job at this place. And I just, I had to get into that mindset. Like those things translate very well into other environments. And I don't think people who aren't in this environment understand that all the time uh, because they just see the the grind, but that mindset shift for a lot of people is important, um, which I think is pretty cool. Cause I think in, in your realm specifically, there's so many things to be learned in that weight room that unless you're in it, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's really funny too. So I forgot to mention, so prior to as I was in grad school, I was, I was, uh, coaching at a uh, division three school, Western New England. I coached softball there for two and a half years. Um, phenomenal coaching staff. That's, that's like family to me over there. But, um, but there was one really cool interaction I had pretty early on, um, that I was like, oh, wow. Like they do, they are really like, we, we can make an impact, you know, um, was, um, one of our pitchers, she had a senior, um, I think it was one of her senior presentations that she had to give. And, um, I would always say like one of the big, the big things was like, say it with your chest, like say it with some gusto and, and say it like you mean it. And she was always very, she was really like very soft-spoken and we're like, what, what, what'd you say? I'm like, say it with your chest. And she's like, yeah, I just had my, I just had my presentation today. And you know what? I was thinking like coach Jamie, like say it with your chest. That's she's like, that was all I was thinking the whole time. And I'm like, Hey, that's pretty cool. So I was, I was fresh out of college coaching these kids. And I was like, Oh man, like, Hey, that's something like, that's kind of like, little stupid quip that I say here and there. It's like, say it with your chest. Like, what's up? Like say it with some gusto. Um, like 
they actually use that, you know, like I like kind of like I would, you know, so it's really, it's really cool. And, um, being able to also share those, um, uh, successes and, uh, outside of here, outside of the weight room is really awesome. I'll get texts from kids who get jobs or who have job opportunities or, um, something cool really happening outside of, um, of their sport or the weight room. Um, they come in and they just, they're like, Hey, I did really well on my exam or I did really well on, um, I did really well on this interview. Uh, it's, it's a really cool thing to be a part of. That's awesome. I agree. I agree. Um, we're heading up on an hour now and we're, my brain is absolutely full of new information and experiences that I want to bring to our side of the table, but let's start wrapping up here a little bit. Um, typically the way we end these are rapid fire questions, just about you as a person, not necessarily anything to do with your profession, but, uh, the way we do this when me and Miguel are both on them, we go one for one. So you want to start Miguel? Sure. Um, what is your favorite sport? Uh, softball, baseball, softball, baseball keep them together. All right. Uh, favorite breakfast cereal. Honey bunches votes. Almond. Almond. Very specific. Why, why almond? Just better. Okay. Fair enough. Favorite TV show. Um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Ooh. Favorite book. I just had it on the top of my head. I know the author. Don Miguel Moriz, The Four Four Agreements. What's one place you would like to go visit that you haven't visited yet? Swiss Alps. Ooh. East Coast or West Coast? Oh. <laughs> uh, I got to say East Coast right now. East yeah. Coast right now. I know it's a hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Really I love your family. Friends. Sorry, Mom, if you yeah. listen to this. You know I love you. <laughs> What is your favorite gym movement? Gym movement. I got to say. Or exercise, whatever exercise. you want. Big fan of the clean and jerk right now. I'm getting some Olympic lifting, working on technique. I got a lot of help from some good, some good people. Um, so I guess I got to say clean and jerk. Okay. All right. Last one for you here. Dodgers or Red Sox? Dodgers. Oof. Even with the coast being more popular yeah, right now, no, no, <laughs> no. Do- Dodger forever, Dodger at heart. We used to have an East Coast West Coast team, and I'm pretty sure we have a couple of ornaments, uh, a big poppy on our tree back in California. But Dodger at heart, always. Oh yeah, fair enough. Can't argue with you on that. There. All right, so Jamie, where can people find you? Where can they see your body of work and what you do on a day to day basis? Yeah. So they can follow me on Instagram. That's actually one of my new year's resolutions is a post more on Instagram. Um, it's just at Jamie Minez, J A M I E M A I N E Z, um, on Instagram. Um, and then I'm, I'm on Twitter, same exact handle. Um, and then if they have any questions, they can feel free, um, to reach out to me uh, via email. Um, my email is J Minez, M A I N E Z at holycross.edu. Um, so if they would love to talk, have conversation. I love talking to people um, and just being able to share experiences um, uh, more than open to it. Awesome. Well, we super appreciate you having on today. This was probably one of my favorite that we've done so far. The engagement and conversation that we've had is like, my head is full, absolutely full. And uh, I look forward to uh, having more of these in the future. If you'd be welcome to coming back on at some point. Oh, absolutely. Super down. Alex, thank you so much. Miguel is fantastic to meet you and great talking to you guys. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. All right.
All right. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Hey, real quick, before you go, I just want to say thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others by taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it to your story on Instagram and tagging at MoveAthleticsPT so we can repost it. And to stay up on all the latest from me, make sure that you follow at MoveAthleticsPT on Instagram and Facebook and then subscribe to the Move Athletics newsletter at www.MoveAthleticsPT.com. All right, guys. Catch you next episode.